first of all, everybody, hey, welcome to Wayfinder. It's Adam, Caleb, and JC up in the studio in this bitch. Hello, hello. Hello. It's good to be back with y'all. Uh, we, uh, we're going to do a continuation today of what we were doing the other day, uh, episode 46. Is that what it was? 47. Or is it 47? Uh, Caleb probably knows better than me. Episode 47? Hold on before I move on. Caleb's probably right, but I got to check. Yes, please yeah. get more. No, no, no. 47. Um, episode 47, and this is the, the Alexandria series or the Alexandria Project. And we talked about hidden history, Gnosticism, Atonism, and the 5D battle for Earth. So we didn't get to all of that, but this, this particular section of the Alexandria Project, uh, we're getting into all of this stuff. So this was all sparked by Caleb bringing up um, uh, the connection of like the Rothschilds and their role in the world. And so uh, I started digging back into ancient Egypt and Atonism and Akhenaten, the pharaoh of the 17th or 18th dynasty. I can't remember offhand. So we, we started digging into that. And we're going to move the ball down the field a little bit in this episode and uh, try to bring it back full circle in this episode. If not, we might need one more, but I think we can make it work. So the, the gist of it is go back and listen to episode 47 and catch up where we left off. Do you guys remember where we left off? We had put a pin in something. What were we talking about? Um, I don't know, but I got it right here. Let me see. I know we were right into the... Uh, we we should have went over those pre-show notes a little more thorough. <laughs> oh, let's see. Okay. So, all right, I kind of remember. So, we were talking about, um, whenever you left, because Caleb had to leave early, we were talking about how the, the, the 42 ideals of Mott are the, like, the original source document for the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are um, are the things that, like, obviously, like, Jewish people and Christian people use that as an argument to say that, like, Judeo-Christianity is the greatest and, and the, the, essentially the supreme, like, belief system in the world. And it brought us modern civilization, right? Um, but when you study the 42 ideals of Mott, which you missed, but you can hear on the podcast, Caleb, uh, you, you realize that all of the really virtuous stuff from the Ten Commandments came out of the 42 Ideals of Mott, which is a much older Egyptian document. And more than that, they left out <laughs> a lot. Like, out of the Ten Commandments, you got, like, six things in there that are, like, good. And the other four are, like, don't fuck with me, mm -hmm. right? That's essentially God just, you know, being very un-Jesus-like. Um, so you, 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 you basically have six good virtuous things in the Ten Commandments, and then the ancient Egyptians up to that point had 42 things that they were living by. And so whenever you went into the afterlife, uh, you had to be able to talk to the boatman or to, um, uh, to uh, Anubis, god of the underworld, or to Thoth, depending on what, the, what time you died in Egypt, I guess. And you had to be able to tell them, like, I was virtuous, I was honest, I didn't kill people, I didn't take advantage of people, I honored my body, I took care of the world. You know what I mean? Like, there was all this stuff. And we read these in the last episode. Um, and, it, man, JC, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but, like, it's, it's, a, it's a really virtuous, like, it's a cool group of things for you to live by. Oh, yeah. It's a much better list. Yeah, uh, to follow. <laughs> I mean, it's it, a lot more complete. It, it, I, I align with it a lot more than that, you know, because there are questionable commandments. Yeah, that that we are given in the Ten Commandments, and this one, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that that's that makes sense. Yeah, okay, yeah, I should do that. Oh yeah, no, that's that's kind of a blueprint for being a a, 
a good human. Yeah, a really good human. It Kinda really answers is. that question um, of why are so many Christians and standard Christianism is everyone's lost. Yeah, uh, there's so many questions that people ask, and that's it. It doesn't seem to be the case when you st- when we dive off into this. They seem to have like they had a much better direction. Dude, that's that's it. Well, <laughs> they I mean, had more info. <laughs> you sum- you summed it up in the last episode in the midst of all of my ramblings <laughs> was you know essentially what we're saying here. The thrust of this little section of 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 the conversation about the nature of our world and reality is that um, about thirty five hundred years ago, uh, some evil larger dimensional entity incarnated or possessed the body of a pharaoh and um and that was sort of the entrance of satan into this world as a as an active entity in the same way that like Ares was an entity in the the wonder woman movie mm-hmm. right satan became incarnated into this this level of existence through the body of akhenaten and uh that's where satanism or atonism set atonism uh, became a thing uh was in ancient egypt and so what we're looking at is how that, what I want to take you guys through is, is how that ties into Judeo-Christianity, right? So we've talked about the background, a lot of this stuff. Um, and, and I want to want to point out that, like you said, in Egypt, they were doing it a lot better. They had a lot better system, right? 42 ideals of Mott, like this is a hell of a way to live, right? If you imagine teaching your kids. Uh, I was talking about this last time, like I had to memorize all these books of the Bible when I was a kid in church or whatever. And... Imagine instead of memorizing 40 books of the Old Testament, you memorize these 42 ideals of Mott at, at five years old, 10 years old, 15. You know, these things are self-evident too. So it's not bullshit. You know, it's not stuff you have to convince yourself of. It's not stuff that you have to do mental acrobatics to... To translate the meaning to you. <laughs> no, it's very cut and dry. It's very simple. It's very simple, and it's something that every child understands innately, right? And these things are, are, are universal truths that are embedded in us, you know? And so you said this is like this is why Christians are lost, like why you have so many questions and all this kind of stuff, is because they they took of these forty two ideals, uh, uh, Moses, which a lot of people think is Akhenaten, um, a lot of good evidence for that. But uh, if, if not Akhenaten, it was like his brother or his cousin or one of his close affiliates or disciples. But what we do know for sure is that Akhenaten was credited with being the first monotheist. He was the guy that brought monotheism into the world. Up till then, people honored all the gods, right? In, in, in the sense that people understood what the Hindus still practice today, which is that all the gods are just a reflection of the different archetypes within us as humans, right? The god of virtue, the god of courage, the god of honor, right? The warrior god, the, the scholar god, you know, the, all this stuff. So polytheists didn't necessarily run around thinking that there was, you know, they were interacting with these different gods that were governing every aspect of their lives in this, like, primitive, superstitious way. They understood, like Hindus do today, like, these gods are a reflection of us, right? And whenever you lift up this god or that goddess or whatever, it's it has a psychological impact on you, right? Exactly in the same way, I'm going to tie this into something crazy, seems really off topic, but, like, C.T. Fletcher like the, the power lifter bodybuilder guy, you know, if you listen to his 10 commandments of lifting, like he sits there and he's like, I talk to my muscles, I command them to grow. And he, he personifies his muscles and he yells at them and he, and he, and he, and he gets angry at them and he, he, he whips them with a whip in his psychology. You know, he's, he's cracking these things into shape. He, you think C.T. Fletcher really thinks his muscles have a, a brain of their own, they're a consciousness of their own? No, no, no. But he understands that everything... Um, we give everything a sense of consciousness. And if you talk to those muscles as if they're going to grow, they're going to grow, right? 
as long as you're doing the work. So the same thing is true of polytheism. So whenever they did away with polytheism, whenever Akhenaten or Moses, whatever, did away with polytheism, what happened was uh, you have a religious dictatorship that then became the intermediary between people and God. And this is the first time where you have this. Up until then, everybody knew they were God. Just like Hindus today know that they're God. If you go to, go to a Hindu and you're like, I just found out that I am God and I create my own universe and da-da-da-da, you got two billion people on this planet that are going to laugh and go, oh, oh, you just figured that out. Cool, congratulations. And they live this way. They walk around projecting their reality from the inside out. That's why they're the happiest fucking people in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, because they, they understand that we're made up of lots of different characteristics. And they choose to personify those. So doing away with polytheism, going into monotheism, it's a bad, bad move. And that's where we get Judaism, right? Now, here's where shit gets really interesting. Um, I'm going to tie this back to the Rothschild thing. If you look at Jacob Rothschild, look at a picture of Jacob Rothschild. And I've talked about this on countless podcasts, so I'm not going to get into it. But uh, Jacob Rothschild is like the modern patriarch of the Rothschild family today. And you can see pictures of him, and he's got a big-ass elongated head. Yes. Yeah. And if you see Akhenaten's mummy, he's got a big-ass elongated head. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there is so much symbolism in, like, the family crest of, of Akhenaten, of the, of the pharaoh lineage of that time, um, that is also included in the Rothschild family crest and also in the royal family crest of, of England. So the bottom line is this. There is a belief system a spirit, spiritual science, if you will, right? Um, that's related to the Jewish Kabbalah, which is mystical Judaism, ancient mystical Judaism, and uh, st- like the Star of David, and a lot of the beliefs of Judaism, even their language, ancient Hebrew, uh, where through Akhenaten, these things became taught to their high priests, and they were perverted. You could look at it like a black magic or a blood magic. Yeah, infecting, you know, infecting the the uh, this this sort of. Well, you can look at it as it, it used to be a very pure and balanced belief system mm-hmm. up until that point, right? It was actually an Atlantean. It was high Atlantean science, spirit science, up to that point that had been carried down through thousands of years, and uh, it was preserved in the priesthood of Egypt. But through this possession of Akhenaten by the spirit of Set Aton. Um, there became uh, a pollution of that of that belief system, and it was really oriented on the the state uh, or the um, the priesthood being the intermediary between people and God. And so that's whenever you went from making amends to find salvation to making atonement from Amun to Aton, and you had to pay your way to heaven. That's exactly how the Catholics. Yeah. That, that's just how the Christian mm-hmm. Church works, right? And then we can say that like, oh, they don't. Nobody believes you have to buy your way to heaven. Maybe not necessarily nowadays exactly that, but for the last couple thousand years, all the way up through the Renaissance and beyond, you absolutely could go down to the Catholic Church and pay the priest, and and they would pray based on how much you paid to get your dead child into heaven. Constantine. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to pay his way back. Yeah. Like he committed what they say the ultimate sin. He's trying to pay his way back. That's the whole semblance there. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's exactly it. So the, the... Here's the bottom line, is that modern-day Catholicism, modern-day Judaism, uh, and and in some cases, to a large extent, modern-day Islam, are all atonistic or satanic deviations of this ancient satanic um, cult. 
of of uh, Abakanaten. Mm-hmm. So you can look at it's it's all Atonism, Christianity, all the Judeo Christian, all the three the three big Abrahamic religions. They're all Atonistic. They're all satanic. Yeah, and just look at the things that have been done throughout history in the name of God. That's it. That's exactly it. And so you look at like the message of Jesus, and then like you look at the Old Testament. And you see that there's a, a, a an obvious distinction, right? Like there's not the same. <laughs> this is not the same uh, entity. It's like compare the difference in these two pictures. Like those two pictures don't even resemble each other. Yeah, yeah. Second half of the Bible takes a weird uptick compared to the front. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you read that thing start to finish, you're like, uh, when did I thought they just... had us in the first half? Yeah. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> Hold up, rewind. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and so it's it's like it's um if you read the Gnostic texts. Jesus and the homies back then realized this. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that the Romans at the time wanted Jesus to go around pointing this out to people? No, probably not. Do you think the Jewish rabbis wanted Jesus to go around pointing this out, that they were all of their sacrificing and all of the creepy shit that they do that I don't even really want to talk about on this particular episode, if ever? Like, Jesus went, dude, this ain't right. This doesn't feel right. You know, and I'm I'm going around. I'm I'm studying yoga and stuff with, you know, with these the people up in Tibet and Nepal. I'm going to Egypt and I'm studying with the priests. And I'm going to Alexandria because fuck man, let's not forget this is before the Library of Alexandria burned. You think Jesus wasn't all up in that? You know, of course he was. And he realized there was a common thread of, of all these religions, and he realized something like the key of the whole Gnostic belief system. And the Gnostics were people who. Uh, lived around the time of Jesus. Jesus was a Gnostic. And um, the Gnostic people, literally the core of their belief is that there was an evil spirit that they called the Demiurge that came into our reality about 1,500 years before them, which was the time of Akhenaten, and hijacked this reality and started creating um, sort of... uh, artificial evil structures that would imprison the minds and the souls of, of human beings, right? So, like, belief in this demiurge was, like, foundational to the Gnostic movement. And so when you read the Gnostic texts, you just find that everywhere, right? And the Gnostic texts are, like, the, the Nag Hammadi Library and the the, um, the Dead Sea Scrolls particularly, but there's, like, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 books or something in that collection of books. And they're the most, um, what is the word, like, contemporary books to the time of Christ, like they were the books that were written at the time of Christ. All the rest of our biblical books were written much, 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 much later, decades or mm-hmm. centuries later. But the only books that we actually have, if you're going to refer to any books as being accurate books from the time of Christ, are these Gnostic texts that were hidden away out in the desert for 2,000 years. Bro, can you imagine, just imagine, like, reading those? Yeah. And then go on looking at your home, like I'm, we're sitting here and we just think life's great and we just found this this knowledge and then all of a sudden we're like, oh shit, oh shit, <laughs> oh shit, oh dude, I've had many of those moments. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on JC's like, back porch <laughs> to realize, like, but, but yeah, but like to realize you're the first, you find this stuff and you're 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 the first people oh, to yeah. know and that you realize that, oh shit, man. We've been we've been lied to. We've yeah. been duped. Uh, and what's yeah. what I feel is uh, coming. There's a, there's uh, a bamboozling going on here. <laughs> I feel that feeling is uh, is coming in in such a large. I can't even. 
and I can't even put the words together. I think uh, uh, there's going to be that a mass awakening. Yeah, dude. You know, it's coming. I mean, we know it. We see it all. The, we, there's far more people that uh, are having sure. these same discussions. And But just I can't imagine. I can only imagine <laughs> finding dude, that and then going, um, bro, you got to – JC, you need to read this. <laughs> yeah. well, and I'm going to need you to be sitting. <laughs> I'm just going to leave you with this, and I'm going to leave. Uh, yeah, I mean, I when I when I first... I'm going to take a lap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I first figured some of this stuff out like four years ago, after a lifetime of studying shit like this, and then it finally clicked, and I showed up on JC's back porch, and I was like... He did. Can you come outside, and can you sit down? I mean, that was literally like... How yeah, that's a that's a, that's a whole shit moment. And I didn't know that anyone else knew this, right? Like, so I had a vision, and then I made this computer algorithm that I was testing a bunch of, like, psychology theory and shit in this algorithm I made. And it was on, it, it was just, it blew my brain open, and I saw patterns in this algorithm when I hit enter, and I completed the algorithm, and I was, I was mapping out interactions between two different parties in three-dimensional space, and I realized that God is a binary fractal self-replicating algorithm that creates and animates all things. And that, that vision popped into my head and I tranced out for several hours and I just got all these downloads from the universe and I saw how everything worked. And um, after a lifetime of reading Gnostic shit and all this other stuff, everything just clicked and everything became clear to me. And I, I thought I was Jesus, first of all, which come to find out that's a common thing to happen for people who have these sorts of awakenings. Like I've talked to a lot of people and that's like a phase you go through. <laughs> it's like, you're like, am I, am I, it's a am, phase. am I it's Jesus? Phase. Am I Jesus? I had an emo phase. I haven't had the Jesus phase yet. <laughs> Keep reading. <laughs> I, I wore Jinkos. Yeah. <laughs> I did that too. Keep reading. I, uh, so yeah, I do. I showed up on JC's back porch and, um, you know, with a wild look in your eye. With, with, what were you thinking he was going to say? Where is it more like, hey, well, bro? I, I never, <laughs> I never really um, like anticipate or presume what what's about to happen. Like with Adam, that's the fun part. Is <laughs> you know he he can bring yeah. all kinds of wild card stuff to the table. So I was like, well, I'll yeah, I'll sit down. I'll come out back. And he's like, man, it's gonna sound crazy. And I was like, hit me with it. Come on, come on. I didn't. I, it sounded crazy. <laughs> I mean, it sounded crazy. I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm just trying okay. to think of everybody's, like, when, first off, the guys that found this and then, like, are just looking at each other as they're reading in this room, you know? And then also, like, when he came back, when Akhenaten came back from that trip and everybody's like, hey, what's up? And he's just got this look in his eye and we're like, do you think there were people in the room that were like, oh, shit. There, well, there were. Oh, and yeah. So that's something to point out, too, that's really key. Is so, like... <sighs> Akhenaten had a priesthood, and he had people there that were down with this new change, and you could imagine some of those people might be psychopaths, yes. and they were like, oh, this is fucking great. It's like the certain people within, like, we keep alluding to different movies to give people visuals, right? But like we talked about 300 uh, Part 2, yeah. how Xerxes shows his ascension and all this, or descension, if you want to look at it that way, depending on if up is up to you or down is up, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because there's, you know, evil people see stuff differently. But anyway... There were, there were definitely people in his circle that were cool with this new change. We know that. But we also know that there was utter fucking chaos yes. in Egypt at the time of Akhenaten. Now, it says something, I mean, to me it says something, that modern historians, like, put him on a pedestal and say he was, he was the bringer of monotheism, he was the savior of, he changed the world. He, but of course. You know, that's, that's, that's this whole system that we're living in. Mm -hmm. That's the person they're going to Greatest exalt. piece of propaganda still going on to this day. A lot of people think that um, uh, Vlad Dracula was the, was the best at propaganda. He was great, 
but what we're talking about far exceeds what he's ever done. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This is a yeah. This is a global takeover of in you know yeah. If you follow the atonistic um, belief system, right? So there was there was um, there was a lot of a lot of bad things that happened in Egypt at the time of Akhenaten because of this because it split the country into a it, there was a schism of these people were were like willing to accept it. Um, they're like, man, it's like, have you ever seen gods of Egypt? It's kind of like that, mm -hmm. you know, set shows up, Gerard Butler shows up and he takes over and he starts charging people to get salvation. Right. So when we're talking about salvation, just take that for whatever it means to you, right. To be religious and to have salvation, to want salvation, whatever that means. But Gerard Butler in that movie, gods of Egypt, he starts charging for that. And that's essentially what Akhenaten did is he came in and you had to start paying your way into heaven. If you want to look at it that way. Some people were just willing to take that and deal with it. Some people weren't. And so there's there's this beautiful sort of, I mean, I, I call it beautiful, but it probably was, it was horrific at the time for those people, but to study it, it's, a, it's an interesting, beautiful thing to see the dispersion out of Egypt at that time. So we have like the story of Moses and the Israelites and let my people go and, and they, they leave. I don't want to get into the nuance of that story right now, but just know that there are lots of those kinds of stories where people left Egypt at exactly that time. Mm -hmm. And it was always over a religious um, uh, conflict, right? And what I mean, essentially what did Moses do? He, he showed up and says, you know, no more of your all the gods. There's only one. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the Pharaoh became the bad guy and the state became the bad guy and, and the Hebrews were the oppressed people. Um, there there are some common threads throughout like the, the, the chronology of Atonism from then on, which largely is you can look at it like the, the Judaic faith. So you were talking about in the last episode, you were like, well, how come these Jews or whatever are persecuted? Like in yeah. all these different situations, I forget like Multiple 60, times 60 or something different countries they've been kicked out of yeah. and been persecuted in for thousands of years. And like we're saying, like if you're in a relationship, you're in 60 relationships and you keep, yep. keep getting like kicked to the curb, like maybe it's not the other 60 people. Yeah. So an interesting little factoid, uh, and I've actually looked at these documents because I couldn't believe that it was real. Um, the uh, and again, when we're talking about the, I'm using the word Judaic people because I don't want anyone to think that I'm talking about a race. This is not a racial or a racist discussion at all. This is about a group of people, essentially from any race they want to be from, who has figured out this atonistic belief system this spiritual science of how to manipulate people, how to control people, how to manipulate society, and how to essentially control the world through psychopathy, through through murder, through blood sacrifice to higher powers, um, through the, the implementation of black magic on small individual and large global scales. Mm -hmm. This is the atonistic or the satanic belief system. And, uh, you know, if, if, if God is like, uh, love, light, and truth, then the devil is like fear, darkness, and lies, right? And so one of the satanic tools is is propaganda and deception on a mass scale. So there is actually record of in the, the Judaic faith where they say that uh, under the time, during the time of the Romans, that like um, in this one little section of time, I forget if it was like a year or something like that, or five years, that like 25 million Jews were killed and crucified by the Romans. But you can go back and check all of the census records from the Jews themselves, from the Romans, from everybody, and there was like less than a million Jews in Rome at that time. Hmm. But within 100 years, 
they were making claims that 25 million of them had been killed. And you'll see this recurring pattern throughout, pattern throughout the history of Judaic people, of the Jewish religion people, where they'll claim that they were so oppressed and that they were, you know, and they're, they're massively exaggerating these numbers. And then you'll go back and look at the census numbers from things like even like the Holocaust. And they say that there was these tens of millions or whatever, but you can go check the census beforehand and there was like 3 million Jews before the war. And then there was like 3.1 million after, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's crazy. Wow. And I know so, it's, no, I've seen that. I've seen people argue that, that, you know, what we claim the Holocaust is being fake and, uh, these, these concentration camps being full of, uh, of Jews. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, and people are like, but you've seen the pictures of Auschwitz and you've seen yeah. all this dude. I'm not saying that there weren't people in these camps. I'm not saying yeah. people weren't murdered and I'm not saying Hitler was a good not guy. I'm not saying that he wasn't an evil murdering psychopath. Cause I mean, he certainly probably was. Um, what I'm saying is when you look at what came out of world war two and you look at who benefited from these stories and you see how mm -hmm. the nation of Israel was created and you see that the Rothschild family created the state of Israel. Yeah. Right. Through the Balfour treaty. Um, the Rothschild family is responsible for the establishment of the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. And as much as modern Christians and everybody would like to say like Israel's our best friend and this and that, the only way, and I've, I've tried this, the only way that you can get anyone to justify to you the existence of the state of Israel, the only way, there's only one way that this, that you can justify the state of Israel existing. And you have to trace it back to Moses, Akhenaten, and his claim that God promised that land to a specific group of people called the Israelites. And then we can talk about what the Israelites really are and what they really were, but the point is, is that there is no claim that justified coming into Palestine and displacing millions of men, women, and children who had lived in that land for thousands of years, hundreds and hundreds of years, whatever, and saying, you guys all have to give up your, your homes, your lives, your land, your property, your everything, and now we're moving in God's people because 3,500 years ago, God appeared to Moses on the mountain and said that now this, this land belongs to the, Isra the Israelites. So here we are 3,500 years later, and we're just going to kick all these people off their land, and we're going to stick Israelites on it, mm -hmm. right? And that's, that is what happened. And that's, anytime you have these conversations with people, they're like, well, the Jews deserved it because there was like tens of millions of them that were wiped out during the Holocaust. There's a lot of people wiped out in the Holocaust. Uh, I mean, but if you want to sit there and I can argue that easily, we, we chose we chose sides with Stalin. Stalin killed far, <laughs> far more people. people. Far more people than, yeah. uh, than uh, Adolf Hitler is accredited with. Yeah. And I'm not talking like, a couple hundred thousand more. I'm talking like, it's like 20 he, million, 30 million compared to oh, five he or whatever. He, no, he almost tripled, uh, tripled, uh, Hitler's numbers. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. see, that's, a, so and that's the, another great point. So why we are we choosing sides? Why, why are we talking? Yeah. Why aren't we talking about Stalin and all the thing, all the people he killed? Why are we not talking about Mao Zedong and all the 60 Same. million Chinese people that he, he killed? He did more than Stalin. Yeah. <laughs> Mussolini killed a bunch of people, but there's one group that is continually being oppressed throughout history according to their own claims by their own media companies that, that they all own. Um, they write the textbooks. They own all the central banks. <laughs> and wow. um, that's the other thing too. Like the, you know, a lot of people don't know like the, the Rothschild family history is that like these guys funded both sides of every war since Napoleon. And they came yep. into power um, during, the, during the Napoleonic Wars um, through deception because they owned the media companies. 
Yeah, it's, and you can't tell me that people have more money than them because they've got that old, old money. That's not stuff that's even kept track with bank records. <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's it's uh, like Bezos may be looking on paper, but man, no. Well, yeah, these guys have money. been they've been compiling wealth wealth for you know at least three thousand years. You know what I yeah, mean? That's old, old yeah. money. Yeah, this is you know these guys print the money that Bezos is storing up in his bank account. It, is the point that that was the yeah. best. Uh, that that was the best saying you've ever told me. It was like, yeah, but who, where's he get his money? Yeah. Who's printing his money? Who's I'm printing like, his money? Like, oh, that's a damn good point. Well, man. let me. <laughs> I mean, let me just simplify this for anybody who doesn't understand the way that central banking works. There is a private company that prints every dollar that comes into American into American currency. There's a private company, yeah. right? So, like, Caleb owns a, a company. It's called Flippin' Coffee, right? If Flippin' Coffee decided tomorrow they wanted to start printing dollars on paper with Caleb's face and my face and JC's face, and those are fives and tens and hundreds or whatever, and Caleb goes to Donald Trump and says, hey, we're homies, you like my coffee, I'm also going to start printing money. Can we just go ahead and sign a contract where I become the central bank of the U.S. and I'll just print, uh, let's do a million dollars. I'll print a million bucks, and then you owe me 5% interest back. And guess what? If you don't, we're going to go to war. Yeah. So, well, it's here's the interesting thing. Is I'm going to fight you if you the don't. The <laughs> first time that you print a dollar, the first time you print a dollar, and you hand it to me at 5% interest, how do I pay that dollar back? Because that, that five cents that I owe you in interest doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just put one... They print a million dollars and and they hand it out to a hundred different people and, and everyone owes them that plus five percent interest. How do you pay that back? You the, also owe me five cents. Yeah, I don't have the five cents because ah, I haven't printed okay. it. I got you. I haven't printed it. Yeah. So you. So it's. I'm gonna give you another dollar. And if you look back at the founding fathers, right, like Thomas Jefferson being one of the best examples of this, uh, and Abraham Lincoln being a good. Ex- he wasn't a founding father, but he talked about this too. Um, these guys were so open about the fact that the Rothschilds were the largest enemy, the most insidious and most dangerous enemy that the United States faced. Um, you know, they, uh, Andrew Jackson was another one. They tried to kill Andrew Jackson because he was fighting the, uh, the federal, the first bank of America. Um, Thomas Jefferson and, and, and Alexander Hamilton hated each other because Hamilton worked for the Rothschilds and wanted to install a central bank. And he was George Washington's buddy. And George Washington was like, ah, Maybe I'll do that. And Thomas Jefferson also was George Washington's buddy. And he's like, fucking don't do it. And so Washington never wanted to make that call. Alexander Hamilton became the first secretary of the treasury in 1791. He brought in the first bank of the United States. Thomas Jefferson became president and kicked him the fuck out. And then the Rothschilds told the, the king of England at the time, take these motherfuckers back to the colonies. And then they declared the war of 1812. And you know what got, the, what got us out of the war of 1812 was that we fucking caved and we uh, and we, we let them come back in with their central bank. And as soon as we signed another contract for the second bank of the United States, a Rothschild-owned central bank, the War of 1812 ended just like that. Andrew Jackson came in, wanted to get rid of him. They tried to kill him. Abraham Lincoln came in, got rid of him. They killed him. You know, John F. Kennedy wanted to come in, change all that shit. I can't remember what happened to him. But <laughs> anybody who tries to stand up to the Rothschild central banks gets whacked. And they have... They print the money for every country on this planet minus five. Uh, and uh, five or six, I can't remember because it changes, but like it's all the countries we're always fucking with. <laughs> it's like Iran and like Syria and Libya and like we killed Gaddafi and we did all this stuff. Like Gaddafi had the stacks yep. of gold, you know, warehouses full of fucking gold bricks. That's another thing. Where did all our gold go? 
Yeah, it's they, not in they, Fort Knox, you know. No, it's not. <laughs> the um, the the thing here is that when when there was a, there was a book written by Jim Mars. Um, it's a huge tomic fucking book. Uh, it's like a thousand pages, but it's called Babylon's Banksters, and uh, it's the story of how in Babylon, um, uh, this this uh, this sort of black magic of currency manipulation came to be. Like how the ancient banksters of Babylon started manipulating this currency and stuff like that. And then you see those same family crests find their flow their way into Akhenaten and Egypt. And then you see that same family crest flow down into the Rothschilds and all the royal families. And if you trace all these bloodlines back, which anybody you know, can do, you don't have to be a historian, you can just Google this stuff and go find historical studies that have been done by credentialed professors and historians and yeah. shit. And these are the same bloodlines that have been controlling the world for 3,500 years and maybe even longer uh, if you trace it all the way back to Babylon. But it's all related to the central bank, uh, the central banks of the world printing the currency. And it's also all related to um, to the, the, the monotheistic institutions, right? So you have Washington, D.C. Everybody in America is familiar with Washington, D.C. It's uh, our capital city. But, you know, it's not actually part of the states. Yeah. Right? So District of Columbia. District of Columbia. So why, why, why Columbia? How many people have ever thought about that? I've thought about it. I've, I've always, it's never been answered. It's been a bizarre thing. I, I don't have any justification for it. Don't you I've think that's weird? Really bizarre. Don't you think it's weird I, that you don't know? I don't know, and I also don't know why all the presidents are, have been related, except for one. Right. <laughs> to take you just a 30 seconds back. There's a, what, a... 11 year old British girl that did a school project and she was correct. She actually was correct. All but one of our presidents are related. Yeah. Think about that. Royal bloodline. They're all, there's a royal bloodline that they're preserving and those bloodlines go back to Akhenaten yes. and beyond. Yes. And now it's the district of Columbia. I, I, I remember learning that in school. They're like, it's not a state. It's a district. Yeah. Excuse me. Hands up <laughs> <laughs> over here. Teach. Why? <laughs> Put my hand down. Yeah, and, and it's uh, you never get that answer. You never get that answer. But everyone should look into that because Christopher Columbus, right, the Colomb, um, was, was a Knights Templar, right? A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, he was also an Ashkenazi Jew. Um, and just so you know, like an Ashkenazi Jew is... This is why this is, and this this is something I got to make clear. This is why this is not a racist argument or a racial argument of any kind against Jewish people. Because we talked about this last time, you can be Jewish by race, you can be Jewish by faith, right? So one is a mental thing; <laughs> it's like you identify as a Jew, or you can like be a born and raised quote Jew. Um, Crazy! It's a weird thing, right? Mm -hmm. There's no other religion where you can be a religion or unique a, to Judaism. Yeah, th that alone is weird. Just let that sit in for a second, right? How how what? How is there not fuckery in that? You know what I mean? Uh, that's misleading by nature. Um, being the only religion that you can like choose to be a religion, but also you could like, it's 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 a race too, but kind of not. Uh, so you can look up um, Ashkenazi, A S H K E N A Z I, Ashkenazi Jews, and what you'll find is well, you'll find a lot of websites that try to debunk this. But um, if you have any critical thinking skills, you'll see right through that. But uh, there was a group of people from uh, from like Turkey and Sumer over there, like northeast of the Middle East, but kind of in the Middle East or whatever. That um, actually, they probably did originate in Israel and Turkey and all that area. But these guys 
assumed the mindset or assumed the religion, the, the belief systems of the Hebrew faith, although they were not in any way racially related to the people of Egypt in any way. They were Semitic people from the Middle East. And these people just labeled themselves the Jews. They're fake Jews. They're not real Jews. Mm. Right? These are not racial Jews, but these are the people. I think this happened uh, 2,000 years ago or so, around the time of Christ, or 2,500 years ago. And these guys basically just said, we're, we're the Jews now. We've adopted their mindset. We've adopted their beliefs. We've adopted their religions. And uh, we're the Hebrews. We're, we're God's people because we have converted to Judaism. We've converted to the belief system. And um, that's why if you test the blood, the DNA of like the Rothschild family, they're going to pop up being like Turkish uh, Semitic um, uh, people from like the Middle East over there. They're, but they're not going to test the same as anybody's blood that you're going to find in Egypt of, you know, from 3,500 hmm. years ago. They were, they adopted this belief system, took on the, the, the religion and all that stuff, and then convinced people that they were God's chosen people or whatever. There's a lot of fuckery there. You have to look into yeah. that to explore that. Uh, and so that's why like, when people say, well, Israel belongs to the Jews, you're like, well, what do you mean Jews? Like people who believe in Jewish things or the bloodline of people who existed at the time of Moses or whatever, right? It's two different things and it's very, very confusing. Um, but there, uh, to tie all this back in, Washington, D.C. is a district of Columbia uh, and the Cologne means dove in some language I can't remember right now, but it was a symbol of Akhenaten and it's a symbol of the royal family. So we're always told like the dove represents peace or whatever, but you can find the dove on the royal crest of like Akhenaten and then all of his lineage all the way down to the Rothschilds and, and the queen Damn. and all of that. And the, the word Cologne is, is dove. So Columbus was an Ashkenazi Jew. Um, they owned the, the Ashkenazi Jews owned all the slave trading ships. They owned all the merchant ships. The skull and bones pirate flag, right, that we always think of as a pirate flag, is actually a Templar, a Knights Templar Freemasonic flag. Mm -hmm. And those were agents of the crown that were sent out onto the high seas to go rob and rape and pillage yes. without without any accountability, mm -hmm. right? So the that's employees of the East India Trading, trading Company. company. Yep. Yeah, yep, exactly. So they the the we think of like the skull and crossbones, like, oh, those were the outlaws, those were the pirates, they were the... The, the criminals, all this. Well, they were all those things, but they were also secret agents of the crown that were operating under umbrella bullshit, you know, mm -hmm. to make it look like they were separate. So, And we still use those tactics today, MS-13. So, yeah, it, it, exactly. It's the same thing, right? The whole Iran-Contra uh, Iran thing and everything. It's all <laughs> false flag shit, right? With, that's where the word false flag comes from. You're flying a flag that is not your real flag, mm -hmm. right? And that comes back from ancient times. So, District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., is, think of this as the satanic, um, and when I say satanic, I mean the, this group of satanic people, this central core cabal of, of people who've been um, um, ruling the world with a psychotic sort of perspective for the last few thousand years. District of Columbia is their military capital. They rule the world militarily from Washington, D.C., the city of London is the exact same situation as what we, and most people in America don't know what the city of London is, but the city of London, in, in quotes, is a section in the middle of London, like Wall Street is mm -hmm. for New York, and it's the financial capital of the cabal in the world. Mm. 
So this is where the Rothschilds have done all their trading. It's where they own their headquarters. Everything in the city of London, or London proper as they call it, is the middle of the big city of London, um, about a square mile. And it's just like Washington, D.C. It's not beholden to any laws of the state or the country. It's a, it, it's, it rules its own thing. So this is the cabal's financial headquarters for planet Earth. Okay? Hmm. The last one is the spiritual, because you got mind, body, and spirit. And the last headquarters of the cabal is Vatican City, right? Yes. And most people know that Vatican City is its own. Completely has its own law enforcement and um, everything. They actually wasn't two popes have uh, had world, basically like a world warrant out for them. They were mm -hmm. they were uh, in different countries. Yeah. And uh, you can't get to the pope. Yeah. Like it's because he's literally. In a country within a country. Yeah. That's what it, that's how it's described. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Are these the only three places on earth or are there other countries that have similar no, that's thing? It. That's it. That's the three. That's, no. That's the three. So these three major players in the world. Yeah, it's it's are the, the only three the that financial independently. The military and the spiritual capital of planet Earth are three independent places all controlled by the same family. Nuts. And this is traceable. Literally puts a pain in my stomach. Think about that, right? So anytime you see something about, whenever you understand this stuff, all the geopolitical stuff that we hear on TV, you see on TV, you hear on the news or whatever, everything will take on a different shape from this point forward once you understand these things. Mm -hmm. And the more you dig into it, the more color that gets. And it's it's very much not doom and gloom. I want to be clear about that. Like, it's mm -hmm. cool to know what you're up against, and it's cool to, like, understand how all these things play together, even just because as a nerd, it's fun to think about and talk about. But the big thing is, and we can't get into all of that in this episode, but the reality is that there is there's a lot of precedent for what is happening in the world today now. Mm -hmm. These kinds of things, the, the utter fucking chaos, you know, the division, the wars, all of the fear and the, all that stuff. This stuff happens in cycles, okay? And these atonistic or satanic uh, families, bloodlines, these energies, these gods that, that, that rule over us, um, they get really desperate and they get really afraid at the end of their reign, right? And they're, they're, they are gods of chaos. Right, that's what set and all these guys are. It's just it's uh, it's division and fear and craziness, right? Mm -hmm. So this is like we are caught in the death throes of a dying dragon. It's really what we're seeing here. When you know how to defend yourself spiritually, and when you know how to keep faith and hope, and when you know how to help people wake up, and like you said, there's a mass a mass awakening happening. I'm, you, you, <laughs> you don't get this um this kind of uh. Um, uh, you know, 50 years ago, you didn't have everybody in the world having these conversations. Right. But this conversation is going to go out to tens of thousands of people, yeah. you know, and there's lots of conversations like this happening. A lot of first time conversations like this happening, which is beautiful. People yep. coming to you and asking like, hey, man, what's the, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been seeing a lot of this stuff on the news like of, the, of them saying not to do this and not to listen to these people. So naturally, the, the the human tendency is to be like, "You're telling me I can't do that. I want to go do it. I want to. Yeah. I want to know why." Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that that has caused like a lot of people to go, "Well, that makes sense." Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the barber shop yesterday to get my hair cut, and I'd never talked to this barber before. Um, and I 
there was the news was on and they were talking about this vaccine that's coming and how it's like fucking people up in trials. People are getting brainstem damage and stuff. And, uh, and this guy looks at me and he goes, man, he goes, I don't, I don't think I'm going to, what you got? I was just thinking, uh, how, how crazy of them to, uh, uh, develop a vaccine that would attack the brainstem. Right. What do we need? We, you've talked about this many times of what the brain actually is and the whole nervous cord, yeah. you know, it's and the it's tree of life, man. So they just overestimated the potency. And That's it. it. it dial it back too soon. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's dial that back a hair. A bit, yeah. yeah, yeah cause cause we just want to fuck them up. We don't want, we can't have a maimed and, and fallen out in the street. Yeah. Right. Let's do a little bit of damage to this, to the, to the spinal cord. And let's do a little bit of damage to the pineal gland. And let's just do enough to have fucking robots. Well, yeah. So I was going to say to your point, devil's advocate, you said, natural tendency is to do the opposite of what mm -hmm. you're saying yeah that's actually new that's not natural tendency because like we said 50 years ago people saw something on the news it was, oh, yeah. it was gospel truth my poor grandma you know what <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah, they true. did not go i think i should question this they go oh there it is that's, yeah that's a hundred percent fact well let so, me say let me reword that free thinkers tend to be like well if you're telling me not to do it like a child who right. is a free thinker i mean a child is the most natural free thinker it isn't yeah. until later on they learn those tendencies we condition it out of them yeah right. we condition it out of them but it's like oh but I, you're telling me i can't i want to you know, mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. i wonder if that comes from like uh and i think about this sometimes so after World War II, which was a big bad deal, or like after World War One, you had the Roaring Twenties, right? Like yeah. people were so glad to be alive. People were like so thankful to not have died because everybody knew like three people that died in that war. Mm -hmm. It was like the worst thing ever. And then you had the Roaring Twenties, and then you have a depression, and then you have another uh, war, and then you have um, the baby boom. The essentially the roaring 50s you get elvis and mm -hmm. you know and buddy holly and uh, uh all all that all that whole thing mm -hmm. out of the post-world war ii america and then you have this awakening of the 60s and you start to see the ebbs and flows of this shit absolutely yes and uh and i just wonder like our grandparents it's the best example i can think of because like god bless my grandmother you know but like she's just can't imagine anything being true that didn't show up on fox news that morning and I think it's just like if you if you grew up in like a post-war world um, where everything was so fucked, do you just like cling to whatever, whoever can come in and bring stability and calm your fears, which is like, I'm saying like the government mm -hmm. in that in that case, the government's like, all right, the war's over, you know, here's some programs we're going to put in place, we're going to take care of you and this and that, and they're just like, fuck, I'm glad to be alive, I'm just going to do whatever I'm told. You know, it's just like beaten down. It's I don't know. Be a big, gotta be a big player. It's in gotta the be mindset a, of a generation, of an entire generation, of a whole generation, you right? Know. And that's why we call them the baby boomers. Because mm -hmm. that whole generation was like, we gotta start fucking and having some kids, having a good yeah. time. You know, gotta pump them through. Yeah. We so need more I, soldiers, guys. <laughs> yeah, there's a pattern. We wasted a lot. Inevitably, there's a generation that falls in line like that, and then they have kids. And those kids have kids. And then all of a sudden, you know, from the 50s to the 60s, now you've got flower and children and peace and love. And mm -hmm. this is a very different mindset. And then Vietnam comes in. So you could just just U.S. history alone, you could sit there and very easily identify an, uh, a pattern. 100%. I really think so. And so, like, to me, when you look at... Let's talk about money for a second. Okay. Let's talk about currency. So... You know, man, I'm, the last couple of years, I've gotten more and more fascinated with, um, with linguistics 
you know, last three or four years or mm-hmm. whatever. And I've and, and, and little like linguistic, um, you know, and I'm not a linguist by any means, but like little linguistic similarities between words, I've come to stop brushing that off as just like coincidence or whatever. Like there's disease, disease. Yeah, I mean, di- you can you can nitpick a word and really dissect it into a greater meaning. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. And, and we say it a lot on here. Words are spells. Mm-hmm. You know, there's power behind these words that we use in, in common vernacular every day. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Currency is currents of chi, right? So chi's. Mm-hmm. We talk about the chi being the life force, right? This is one of the first things I found in my in my initially in my awakening was that I was like, damn, dude, you know, we count calories, and we're always told that like those are like units of energy. You know, and we're like, we can eat a thousand calories and then we can go burn a thousand calories and it's a unit of energy. I was like, but there seems to be some other force within us that we are not tracking that seems to be a much more important force. Now, I didn't realize at the time that it is calories are counting that. We're just not calling it that, but it's chi, right? Makes sense. Calories of what? It's calories of chi. You're consuming the chi of this food, the life force of that food, right? Whether it's a salad or a burger or whatever it is. Calories are the chi, you know, and there's different kinds of chi, right? There's mm-hmm. like different kinds of energy within us. And we eat it, and then our body processes that chi, and then there is an output, right? And we use our chi um, in the things that we do to, to create the life that we've got. I'm tracking, yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. So, yeah, hopefully everybody's tracking. So, uh, currents of chi, that's our currency. And 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 uh, think of currents like in, in, in a river, it flows, right? Well, what holds the water of a river, the banks. Oh. Banks and currency, the banks hold the currents of chi, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the energy flow of all of the, the, the efforts and the livelihoods of every human being on this planet. It is, is managed in currents of chi. It's held by the banks, you know? And you could probably keep taking this as far as you wanted to. Oh yeah. You know, there's a guy named Jordan Maxwell, if anybody wants to ever look up like Jordan Maxwell. Um, as a guy, like as a speaker, he gets on my nerves. Like he, I, he's a big, fat, gross, kind of arrogant. You know, he just really gets on my nerves. Lots of chi. Lots, yeah. <laughs> holding on to a lot of chi. <laughs> I've always wondered about him, like how he could be just such a sloppy, gross person. And and but I guess he's a scholar, right? He, I don't know that he's really walking around living a high energy life, right? But I'm not trying, not trying to dog the guy out. But he's kind of an ass. He's kind of an arrogant guy. But everybody should everybody who's interested in like the esoteric or the occult or a lot of this stuff, man, he's kind of a necessary evil or not an evil, but he's a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's um, he's uh, Jordan Maxwell. I don't know how old he is now, but he might be seventy. But uh, he's been around for fifty years writing books. I don't know how many books he's written, you know, but I think tons. And um, he's one of the most famous occultists, like scholars in the world. But he does a lot of discussion around uh, a lot of lectures and stuff on these the the words that we use and where they came from, particularly around Atonism and um, and the Rothschild family and how the the whole the whole reality, like you just said, words are spells, and the whole reality that we live in has been constructed uh, out of certain words, and that has built our understanding of the framework of reality, and by manipulating the words that we use right the guys that are writing the textbooks that are that are manipulating language right mm-hmm. which is largely done by the media 
which is owned by these atonistic people at the very top, right? Um, by manipulating the words that we use, they manipulate our understanding of reality, right? Like everybody knows Terrence McKenna. If you're listening to this podcast, probably <laughs> listened to Terrence McKenna once or twice. And he, and he, he talks about language and the power of language and if you know we don't have a word for something we can't talk about it i don't know that mm. could be heath ledger's joker more than terrence mckenna i'm not sure that sounded okay <laughs> <laughs> so the the currents of chi the currency that we have is is our is is that's our life force that's the point i'm trying to make is that this is our life force right the money that we have the currency that we have it it's um it's what's left of our life force. So if you're a bank and you control that stuff, you control the currency of the people. Uh, Caleb's buying a house right now. Those interest rates are pretty good right now, I guess. You're buying. <laughs> yeah, 3%. Right. So do you guys even know what that means? Like, who sets that? The bank. The bank. Which bank? The central bank. The big bank. The Federal Reserve Bank is a Rothschild-owned bank mm -hmm. that prints Pri our money. Privately owned. Privately owned. They're not a, they're called the Federal Reserve. They're as federal as Federal Express, mm -hmm. right? This is like FedEx. This is like Walmart printing our money. It's a privately held company. And if you're curious about how in the world they ever got that contract, just go read a, a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. And it's a story about how in 1913, President Woodrow Wilson uh, waited until Christmas break uh, when all of Congress was on vacation to uh, sneak some of his congressman buddies in the back door after getting paid a bunch of money by the Rothschilds to implement um, like a three-person vote to <laughs> to create a central bank. Yeah, that's so we go to the Titanic. Yeah. Um, there was uh, three... Of, this is a cool story. Yeah, three of the richest men. And, a Astor... Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a huge yeah, blank like on their John names. Yeah, John Jacob Astor or some shit, but, but there was like three big rich guys. That would have, uh, basically, they were the ones holding the vote, and you couldn't fuck with them because they were just as gangster as the Rothschilds, but on the side of good. Yeah. They didn't have evil intentions. Um, they all three died on the Titanic. How, yeah. What a coincidence. That. That's, that's, yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah. So, three of the richest men then, in the world, and they yeah. also were the three that opposed the, the, the yeah. central bank. It, it makes you rethink the narrative of the Titanic as to, like, why did they make so many terrible decisions? Because yeah. it, it seems like it was inevitable <laughs> that thing was going to fucking sink I when mean, you hear about it. They were it. determined. You get a couple of little <laughs> bits of information added to that story. Well, go, that was oh. 1912. Okay. And then in 1913. You have the um, the central bank, yeah. the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, Rothschild owned. Actually, it's owned by the Bank of England, which is owned by the Rothschilds. So mm -hmm. the Rothschilds are at the very top, and then there's like the Bank of England, and then there's like our central bank. Yeah. How, how far down the fucking totem pole do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. And, right. Yeah. And so when people are, because uh, there's a famous picture of a um, the Rothschild. Uh, head of the family at the time and he's poking um prince uh, charles in the chest like as he's talking to him and they're like when you give him all his money you can poke him like he's basically your little bitch yeah it's well it's 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 not just um it's bad decorum and it's it's i think it's illegal you cannot touch a member of the royal family period and he does it and he <laughs> fucking there's video i mean pictures of 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 uh, i can't remember which rothschild that was it was um He's Evelyn. It was Evelyn. It was yeah, Evelyn. Evelyn de Rothschild poking Prince Charles in the chest, and ch and Prince Charles looks like a uh, like a chastised little boy. Mm -hmm. He's hanging his head, 
and Evelyn Rothschild's poking him in the chest. And have you ever seen this picture? I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't gone into that rabbit hole yet. But a lot of people say um, this is why Princess uh, Diana didn't make it very long, is because she was very opposed to what she saw with mm. the royal family. And you, you're talking about a woman who truly was like on the side of good. The 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 conspiracy. Um, they label her as bipolar and everything now, and that she had massive problems. Yeah, and, sure, and all that stuff. But uh, it turns out what she probably was just very opposed to what was going on. And yeah, when you threaten that system, you tend to not last long. Yeah. Um, well, the so you know we talked about how Washington D.C., um, City of London, and the Vatican are like the three you know capital, um, you know cities of of the. Uh, call it the new world order or the 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 satanic cabal or the whatever the hell you want to call it i don't i don't know the the atonist uh uh, gangsters um the uh the the royal family and all of the nobility of england particularly all come from these bloodlines and 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 again it's not just the bloodlines it's also the belief systems because we know now and I, i guess maybe this is a point that needs to be incorporated into this to make sense of a lot of a lot of this as you're thinking through it guys listen we know now through the field of epigenetics that we can manipulate our dna through our beliefs and our practices not we can we do Mm -hmm. everything you believe everything that you do every every feeling you feel is written and carved into your dna like a little sculpture and you pass that on yeah so imagine it's like working out just you know it's, same thing that's I it improve my genetics so therefore my kids in my offspring will get those improved genetics 100 percent. and i knew when i was a little kid i remember this like i don't know how old i was but i remember as a little kid in the 90s i was born in 84 so like early 90s or something like that i remember hearing yeah, 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 yeah caleb's <laughs> caleb's all of five days older than me um uh i remember hearing something about um uh, DNA sequencing and how um, in, in school, in middle school, I heard that like 98% of our DNA is just junk. And I just remember being like 5th, 6th, 7th grade going, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> like, this is the science that you're getting as a teacher and you're passing on to me as a fucking 12-year-old? Like, you're going to sit there. You don't have any more common sense than to tell me, a kid who didn't even know what DNA was till the beginning of your fucking it's, class today. It's just what they're being told. <laughs> and and that's when I realized, yeah, that we were exactly well, yeah. So people just believed that ninety eight percent of our DNA was junk. Now mm. modern times, you guys need to go look into Dr. Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, Bruce Lipton particularly, and Greg Braden. But I, I love um, uh, Bruce Lipton's work on epigenetics is is absolutely groundbreaking. He's been doing it for 40, 50 years now. Um, he's a research scientist. He's not a bullshit doctor. He's been doing research science and teaching at medical schools and stuff since like the 70s. But what he's unlocked and what he's discovered and shown and proven is that we change our DNA by thought, we change it by action, and we pass it on. I'm saying all that because the, the water is muddy when we're talking about atonism as a belief system, and then we're talking about the Hebrews as a race, what I'm suggesting is is that there are people who um, who understand like uh, Atlantean spirit science who are not evil, right? The Illuminati, the Illuminati, the Illumined ones, right? There's like Renaissance painters and stuff, and there was philosophers of ancient Greece, and these guys understood um, 
magic and they understood like Atlantean spirit science and they understood the Kabbalah and astrology and a lot of this stuff can be practiced in a, in a beautiful and balanced way. Um, but there's, there's dark side shit here. And when you start trying to manipulate the current, the, the chi currents of other human beings and the lives of other human beings, and you're willing to sacrifice the lives and to cause torture and, and, and horrible, horrible things. That's a different kind of magic, right? Yes. It's a whole different thing. So, we talked about uh, the like on the last episode. You brought up a point that I never even thought of: is when someone is like possessed in a movie mm-hmm. or anything else, it always deforms them. Mm-hmm. So it imprints in into them. And so I guess in in this moment, I'm just now finally bridging the gap. My brain's kind of lighting up right now. I'm just now bridging the gap of how would why do these people want to preserve their bloodlines? when really what's driving them is largely a belief system. Largely where they derive their power is a belief system. Everything's in DNA. Well, they need to it's, pass off all that junk. They yeah. need to pass on all the shit they've been doing and everything. thinking for thousands it's of years. Memory. It's it's feeling. Yeah. It's everything. They've, uh, I mean, look at it. Look at it. It looks like it's a storage tank. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it stores files. 100%. And they've done that. That's why the studies on, like, how does a lion know to, jump on an elk right <laughs> or an antelope they um it, it, memory memory is there that yeah. what we call instinct mm-hmm. um it's there uh there have been studies that also found um i'll say studies uh my, my, me and my father have talked about this people having uh, certain pains cured and they end up doing a dmt trip or they end up uh, going under hypnosis and they find out in another life form and another life uh, a, or an ancestor was killed during battle, was stabbed, was hit in the right. lower back with a, a battle axe. And that's what they pictured. And uh, they dealt with it. They processed it in their way. And they came back and the pain was good. It was yeah. a memory. You're, right. You're feeling a memory. I got goosebumps, <laughs> dude. It's 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 yeah. deep. And uh, dreams and stuff, I, th- I feel like we're exploring those memories. And I, th- I feel like all that's locked in that DNA. Dude, that's, I th- that's super, that's I'm super not a key. Scientist. That's yeah, bro science. That's bro science all the way. Bro. <laughs> no, but it makes so much sense because I've, I've struggled with that that idea in my, in my head that's been a huge gap for me until this moment is like, why why do these guys work so hard in preserving the bloodlines when what seems to be the source of their power is their belief system and the practices behind it, these like black magic sort of practices and stuff. And then there's also shit I can't even try to explain or get into about like, all the racial muddying that took place in Egypt and in the Middle East and stuff and, and the Ashkenazi people. I was even struggling with it, explaining it earlier, and I, it's just a gap I haven't been able to bridge, but this bridges the gap. These people figured out how to manipulate their own DNA using these practices, and they knew that everything that they did, they could pass on to their kids, and that it would get diluted the more they brought other bloodlines in, mm-hmm. and people who weren't into that, Princess Diana is a good example, like she was not down with this, and that was clear in very clear her interviews, um, which has made me wonder things about like her kids. Like, you know, her kids fucking know that her grandma, their grandma, had her killed. You know, yeah. like they know that. I would not be surprised in this lifetime if we don't see some really interesting shit happen with those boys. Well, well shout I, out to Harry and uh, Megan who, yeah, know, but they're acting from. a little weird right now. But I saw that too, and I was like, I went, ooh. 
the youngest one he's acting out he literally has given up his royal position and i'm like he he's finally he saw his chance to go mm-hmm. and uh, his wife helped him but then she started acting all weird and you know social justice and so i don't i don't know fully where that fl- but i have been watching them yeah. i'm like you know his his character i think the older brother's completely bought in mm-hmm. he seems I, he feels that way to me 100 yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. i i thought um the youngest one harry uh, I still have hope for him. Like I do have a lot of hope for him. I feel like he did that on purpose, but he could still be a little lost, man. You're just giving up all this stuff, and then you know he's just he's with an actress, and you know went completely against the royal family and she everything. She is hot like that. though. God, yeah. I mean, I, she could convince me to do yeah. a few things too. <laughs> but um, but I, the whole point, I am watching him. But shout out to him if he, if that's why he's really left. Yeah, like, for sure. But well. It, that's a lot to give up for just a woman, though. It is. And that's why, like, I, uh, yeah, I just always, I was hoping that maybe that was coming from a, a genuinely woke place. Like, he was mm-hmm. like, I'm not fucking down with this. Stepping out of this. Just not sure yet. So, um, the researcher that I bring up a lot on the on the show is Michael Tessarian, T-S-A-R-I-O-N, Michael Tessarian. Another guy, he's actually a friend of Jordan Maxwell's. You missed it. I mentioned Jordan Maxwell a minute ago when you were taking a leak. But Jordan Maxwell... And Michael Tessarian, they're buddies. They're both sort of equally annoying in their own ways, but they're both incredible researchers that you just can't you can't skip them. If you give a shit about the occult and you want to dig into the really deep mysteries of of uh, occultism and uh, atonism, like there's almost you just can't even get the education or the information without going through Jordan Maxwell and, and um, Michael Tessarian. But one of the things that Tessarian has done an incredible job of is showing how like the um, the royal crests have all been you know they're all traceable back to egypt and babylon and how the one of the fucking craziest things i ever saw was him spending like three or four hours breaking down the queen's coronation ceremony because there's video of her coronation ceremony in the 50s like 51 or 49 or whatever it was how is she still alive yeah well the blood of many many babies (laughs) i saw a meme this morning and it was like god introducing adam he's like this is the garden of eden adam goes who's that over there in the corner? And then it's a picture of the queen of England. He's like, I don't know. She was here when I got here. <laughs> I saw that too. I, lo- I love that one. That was great. Oh man. Yeah. Jesus. I, um, yeah, that, 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 that fucking imp. She's just a, yeah. That adrenochrome does about a body good. Yeah, dude, for sure. <laughs> She's just been trolling around. That, for a mil- that is not a milk mustache. No, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Got a little um, to Sarian, Tessarian did this video series, uh, and, and this guy is just—he's the most well-read occultist on the planet, I think. And um, you know, he's written like thousand-page books on astrology and the tarot and all kinds of stuff. And um, uh, he really seems to specialize in the occult space of like studying the Rothschilds and all of these families and tracing them all back and tracing their magical practices and stuff mm-hmm. and documenting all that. But he broke down the Queen's coronation ceremony, um, which I think is like an all-day affair. But he spent like four hours breaking it down step by step. So you like you'll watch like thirty seconds of video, and she'll do this. She'll walk up to the thing to the altar. She took a knee. They handed her a scepter. They turn her crown a quarter of a thing. She stands up. They take one robe off. They put a different color robe on. Very meticulous. So symbolism is huge in in the occult. That it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's everything. So, but it's also with the opposite of the occult. Symbolism is huge. Oh yeah, it's please keep me on. Understand it or don't understand it, it's impacting you either way. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And an occultist understands symbolism. That's you know, Manly P. Hall said that whenever man begins to remember 
the power of the the power and meaning of symbolism that a great veil will be lifted from the eyes of humanity because we are surrounded and immersed in a sea of symbolism. Yes. And your subconscious mind gets it. Your subconscious mind's soaking it in mm -hmm. all the time. But see, people were walking around in the fucking zombie state, and they're just not picking up on it, right? Right I'm brain's been shut down. Really glad you're talking about this because this seems to be a a huge disconnect with that. Like a, when you say symbolism, people are like, Ugh. you're just you're finding connections that you know you're just making these connections. So I'm really glad you're talking about this because it is very important. And once you start seeing it, you can't stop. I opened Amanda up to it, and she's like, I see it everywhere now. I'm like. Because it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. The, um, yeah, yeah. It's the thing is that you, you, you need to have the, like the left brain online to have structure in your life and to understand literal truth. But you need to have the right brain online to understand creativity and symbolic truth. Mm -hmm. Right. So the right brain is symbolic and the left brain is literal. The right brain connects all the dots and the left brain is able to microanalyze each dot. Right, but you can't connect them without having both hemispheres online. And when we talk about left and right brain, we're talking about the masculine and feminine energies within us, particularly with our awareness and our perception. And so symbolism is something that, uh, it's a language that can be spoken and it can be understood. It's extremely scientific. Um, and I don't mean complicated, I just mean it's extremely legit. Like it's not a, there's not, there's not a bullshit thing here. If you take a hundred occultists and you show them randomly assorted symbols or whatever they can read those symbols and all 100 of them will be able to read the same thing you take someone who doesn't understand symbolism and they're just going to say oh caleb's making shit up he's finding connections in those symbols that that don't exist and you go well here's the problem with that is we showed it to 99 other people that all understand symbolism in the occult and they all were able to read them mm -hmm. exactly the same so that's that's science bitch like it's it's not a it's not a hokey thing and people don't get that but the uh the, these elite funky people understand how symbolism works and they use it so the queen's coronation ceremony Tessarian takes it and breaks it down and what he does is he'll pause it after 30 seconds or whatever and he'll say look and then he pulls out a fucking tarot deck and he starts walking you through how every single step of her four-hour coronation ceremony or whatever it's literally they are acting out the tarot it's a giant astrology thing that they're doing Whoa. and then he pulls out ancient documents from babylon and then he shows you how we can trace the tarot back. All this, it's, it, these are Babylonian coronation ceremonies, okay? So one of the most difficult things for people to understand, particularly non-spiritual people, is that there is a satanic religious cult that has preserved their practices in place for about 5,000 years. I heard Sam Harris or somebody say like the other day, like, you know, religious people can't keep their shit together for a hundred years, let alone, you know, a thousand year old conspiracy or whatever. It's like, watch the queen's coronation ceremony and then go look at, you know, the ancient Sumerian records and, and see what their coronation ceremony looked like. And it is step by step the same. And it's also based in tarot and astrology because there's so much power in that. Now, might not be the worst time for me to bring up the fact that you can look at a picture of the Pope's hat. <laughs> yeah. And this is a Babylonian, uh, you know, this is a Babylonian um, fish hat. Here, I'll show you guys. So the religious, you guys can Google Pope hat Babylon. And uh, wow. 
and the uh, the Pope is wearing a miter hat, and there is a, a Dagon um, priest from Babylon that was wearing that same hat. Just get you a screen. Well, yeah, I know that. Well, we have we have that's what we have that one over there for. Actually, you know what? Now that we're not doing video, we can use that screen and put it right over there. It's fucking perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we used to not put the screen there because we had the video and we wanted to have the backdrop. Ah. But now we can do it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 fact is, is that these atonistic or satanic ceremonies are manipulations of a deeper magical truth, a universal truth that is neither good nor evil. It's just it's it's just is what it is. Uh, and the bad guys have taken that and managed to uh, to to pervert it to use for their own stuff. Oh man, yeah. Well, and it's like, look at that one. That's a pretty one. Look at the Pope's hat. He's got this big Star of David type thing on the back of it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's actually called a Star of Remphan, I think, is what they call that. That's not, again, in the Hebrew Old Testament, they call it the Star of David. But way before that, it was called the Star of Remphan. It's also an as above, so below symbol. Ah, you know, I can see that. If you picture that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the whole Hebrew language, man. The whole Hebrew language is such a fascinating thing. If you guys have never looked at like the, uh, um, we talked about it with Robert Grant a little bit. I'll say Yahweh. Yeah. They're like, okay, so <laughs> we'll just drop this on you. Like, so this is the, please do. This is the depth of magic we're talking about. This mm-hmm. is the fucking depth of magic. Now I'm not saying that this is good, bad or indifferent. What I'm saying is, is that the Atonists have taken this knowledge and perverted it for their own, um, uh, you know, psychotic sort of, you know, power hungry control thing. But, so I'm not saying that the Hebrew belief system is evil inherently, like the, the ancient language and, and some of that. Just the Old Testament, the Moses aspect of it forward. But there's a lot of ancient Atlantean symbolism and stuff in it that's uh, in spirit science in it that's incredible. So, Robert Grant, for anybody who doesn't know, like he's, uh, he's a polymath, a polyglot. He's a friend of ours. We've done a couple of shows together um, and built a great relationship with him over the last year and a half or so. And um, he's a friend. And he's also one of the smartest dudes on the planet. He um, he unlocked the, uh, the the greatest mystery of mathematics in the history of mathematics, which is the prime number pattern. It's always thought that the prime number pattern didn't exist, couldn't be discovered. Plato, Pythagoras, all these guys were like, well, the beautiful thing about prime numbers is that they're infinitely unpredictable. So our friend Robert Grant cracked that code. Holy shit. Um, which then made every nuclear code phone password, email password, bank password on the planet obsolete, right? So um, he promptly went out and hired a security team and <laughs> started filtering out phone calls from the Chinese Secret Service. And, Lovely guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, wonderful people. We got yeah, to yeah. hang out with them. They're good people. Uh, <laughs> um, well, but Robert goes inside the Great Pyramid and does all kinds of shit. And, and uh, he, uh, he has, he's a mathematician but he's also a linguist, so he speaks about a dozen different languages, and then and then he does math in his head by seeing shit, and seeing numbers take shape and combine together, and it's just a fucking crazy guy. He's the craziest brain I've ever seen. But but he does interesting stuff, and so what he did was he took the the Hebrew uh, word written out like in, in written form for was it Yahweh? I believe it was Yahweh. It was Yahweh, I think. And what? Okay, what did he do? He so, turned the shapes of the letters that were very similar to numbers into a mathematical equation, 
and he ended up getting and I man I was struggling in there I don't know Adam's gonna have to back me up on this one the guy can talk circles around me Um, but basically he turned hold on he's done it with several words I can can give you this so in Hebrew every letter uh, has a numerical value yes uh, most people know that, I think. So that is the thing. When you take the word Yahweh, and you guys can go listen to our podcast with Robert from May of 2019. Mm-hmm. It was like number 23 or something like that, 24 or whatever. Um, uh, you take th- the the word Yahweh, you use the numerical equivalence, uh, and you turn that into an equation, and it's the speed of light. He he explains it better on the podcast. Yeah, you have to go back and watch it. But <laughs> you have to go watch it. It's fucking there. It's worth watching, and it's not a stretch because I would have called him out. And it's it's not a stretch. It's crazy. Um, huh. and, was it was it Yahweh or was it Thoth? No, it must have been Yahweh because I don't think Thoth shows up in the Hebrew language. But anyway, it's the Hebrew language itself is so beautifully constructed. Mm-hmm. Like all their letters, you know, like come back to like a star of David. Like you could, it's all different variations of a star of David, and they yeah. all have these numerical equivalents that can be turned into algorithms. B- Greg fucking Braden the other day was listening to a, a lecture, and he was talking about the Hebrew. I want to say it was the Hebrew language, and they this one. I, it, it's exactly like what Robert's talking about, but it's even harder for me to explain, so I'll have to find it, and I'll try to, try to see if I can link it in the description. But Greg Braden took our DNA sequence and took the different numbered pairs or whatever and put the Hebrew alphabet over those, and, and it turns out there is a fucking sentence, sentence written in our DNA, and it says something about, like, I am the God within and the God without or something like that. Oh. Mm. Got to go both ways. Yeah. Goes in and out. Woo. Middle out. Middle out. Middle out. <laughs> Middle out. So, but I, isn't the, which language is it that we only understand like one of six letters or something like that? We don't, um, wasn't it? I reckon And it's a what few. the Dead Sea Scrolls were written from, were translated from. I they think, said well, they were Aramaic. So, okay. There's, there's, which is like a Greek um, uh, dialect. The, what is the, it, Joe Rogan's always talking about it. And uh, he's basically, because uh, he's, it's brought up. And something that they uh, translated from, and the language, we only understand like every third letter anyway, so we're not getting the whole. And so that's what they tra- translated. That's fascinating. From. I don't. I don't know that I've done. I don't know that I know. I'm gonna have to go back and see this. Uh, do the I'm research. I'm here racking my brain. I'm not sure, but I mean Hebrew is a, definitely a thing we know. What were the Dead Sea Scrolls originally uh, translated from? I'm pretty sure it was language. Ara- pretty sure it was Aramaic. But let me look. What language? Where the Dead Sea Scrolls written in. The majority of the Dead Sea Scrolls are in Hebrew, with some written in an ancient Paleo-Hebrew, but but others are in Aramaic. So the, maybe it was the Paleo-Hebrew. Maybe so. Because we understand all of Hebrew, right? Yeah. So but, maybe. It was but in a Paleo-Hebrew, we wouldn't maybe necessarily understand. Hmm. So the. All right, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna wander off on this because we're talking about languages and, and why not? Um, uh, something a lot of people don't realize. I didn't know until I started reading this fucking crazy book um, a few months ago. Uh, is that ancient Egyptian, ancient Greek? Now picture these countries in your head as you're as mm-hmm. you're on, on a globe as you're doing ancient Egyptian, 
slide up across the Mediterranean, ancient Greece, slide up further in that same line up to ancient Ireland. So think Gaelic, ancient Gaelic or Celtic. All three of those languages are virtually identical when when mm-hmm. spoken phonetically. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's fucking crazy bizarre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy bizarre. They're written in totally different languages. The characters are written totally different. So if Caleb is from Egypt and you were from ancient Ireland and I was from ancient Greece, we could talk to each other verbally and the shit would sound the same. But when I wrote it down, you're writing hieroglyphics and you're writing in fucking runes and I'm writing in Greek alphabet, which is sort of what we use now. That's crazy. Crazier is all the Native American tribes up the East Coast and up into New England use the same ancient Egyptian, Greek, Celtic um, language. This is the kind of shit they don't want you to know because the core, the core of everything that we're doing here is to, is to unveil the greatest secret that the bad guys don't want any human beings to, to eventually understand, which is that we were all brothers and sisters all over this planet. Mm-hmm. People were, were on ships. They were seeing each other. They were, they were having babies together. They were sharing religious views. They were sharing sciences. They were, they were worshiping together. And it was all about belief systems. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about race. It wasn't about the physical. These were very metaphysical people. They were very psychic people. They existed in a, in a, in a five-dimensional state of awareness. All over the world. All over the world. Amazon. The Amazon was full of cities. Yeah, it all, and, and still is hidden. You hidden know? cities. Um, told, man-made jungle. And, and, and there is so much evidence now that it's coming out that when you, when you just think about that, think about that, first of all, again, just, the, just Ireland, Greece, and, uh, and Egypt. The fact that those three languages are are so close that the, that those people from those three different countries could have communicated three four thousand years ago that that first of all is bananas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but whenever you realize and you start comparing the alphabet or the not the alphabet but the um uh, a dictionary or vocabulary from like the iroquois and the ojibwe uh and the um um the uh the abenaki which not even going to talk about the Anunnaki Abenaki connection, but there, there's definitely a thing there. Um, the shining people from the heavens that came down from the east and taught this sacred spirit science to these Indians, and then they call, started calling themselves the Abenaki after those people. Anunnaki Abenaki sounds the same to me, and the whole fucking story is the Anunnaki story. But anyway, I digress. Uh, how did the same language get across the Atlantic? You know, how did the, how did that language? So the idea is that there was there was um, there was a civiliza- civilization somewhere in the Atlantic. There was a big island, and it was the capital of a global civilization. And when there, whenever something happened in the Earth, that island sank, and the people diffused out. And so they hit the east coast of the United States, particularly New England. They already had settlements and stuff there anyway. Uh, and then they hit Ireland, where they had settlements, and then they were already flooding up into the Mediterranean. So they were already in Greece. They were already in Egypt. There's civilizations or there's ruins there that are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, if not tens of thousands. And so all those languages, even to this day, you can go back and research it. Like I could pull it up right now. You can go look up um, like Iroquois language, uh, Iroquois Celtic. Just Google Iroquois Celtic language and you can see fucking graphs 
pages and pages and pages long where like their word for river is the fucking same their word for mountain is the same their word for tree is the same their word Damn. for spirit is the same their word for bird is the same their word for father mother like the foundational words of their whole language are the same now back to atonism back to the bad guys right um what has the catholic church been doing for the last 2000 years more than anything wiping out as many civilizations as they can and erasing the history of those people and the cultures of those people to hide any evidence of this global connection, this global family that we all have, that we're all a part of, this this shared lineage, um, this beautiful uh, uh, familial connection that we have through our connection to the divine and our connection through history. The Catholic Church has been wiping this shit out militaristically for 2,000 years. Because what is, again, what is the devil? It's, it's all about, it's about fear and darkness and lies, right? Not love, light, and truth. The Crusades, they're over in the Holy Land, stealing all the artifacts, artifacts, wiping out all the people, the mystics, all that stuff. They always want to get rid of the mystics, people who are connected to the stars and connected to nature. Witches. Witches, you know what I mean? The shaman. And people that can the access uh, seed consciousness. Yeah, people can. <laughs> the who Akashic can, field. Yes, <laughs> yeah, we don't want people tapping into the Akash. No. Nope. You know, so... They wiped out, we, we, we always talk about the Native Americans and the horrible things that happened, the genocide there. We talk about the genocide that took place in Africa and the, and the colonization and the Aborigines. Um, and there's a lot of hatred toward white people for this, but what I gotta drive people home is like, our, a, lot of, a lot of us, like our ancestors came from Ireland and stuff like that, and, and were Vikings and stuff. They genocided the fuck out of us too, because it ain't about race. It's about the, this higher order of, of people, um, you know, who, who have this idea that they are the supreme, they are God's chosen because their God is Satan. And they are Satan's chosen people who were born psychopaths, who have this lineage of psychopathy passed down to them through um, thousands of years of evil practices and sacrifice and all this horrible shit. And they're, they're here to, to, to spread lies and to obscure the truth. And they genocide anybody who's tapped into something that's going to make that a problem. So when we go around the country and we're meeting with Native Americans and stuff and my kids are sitting there talking to the elders and the elders are like, yeah, you know, when we were kids, they wouldn't let us. They had government officials that would not let them practice their religion, wouldn't let them speak their language or any of that. And they said, you know, what we learned pretty quickly and what our parents and grandparents helped us to understand is the stories are exactly the same anyway. We just changed the names. You know, hmm. we just changed the names. It's the stories were already there. When you read the, the Mayan creation um, story in the Popol Vuh, you know what really freaked out the fucking Catholics when they got over here? They had all the creation story from Christianity already written in the Popol Vuh, carved into stone. I mean, you had the entire fucking, you know, the first five books of the Old Testament. You had the flood myth. You had Noah. You had Adam and Eve. You had, this is a much more complete version, again, right? Because they took out the parts they didn't want people to have easy access to but when the when the catholic clerics and stuff got over here and the all those all those guys that were colonizing they were like these motherfuckers already got our stories but they are telling it in a richer more complete way uh hey caleb why don't you just grab that stone smash the shit out of that and go kill all those people mm -hmm. let's just not let's not tell the other guys about this what do you see um in every single movie all these stories of just um, you know, Earth going to other planets, going. Same, you see the same story. You see all. We are a world of chaos and war. 
and when we go to our avatar <laughs> avatar planet what was that there, planet called um pandora pandora so we go to pandora they are they are a world that is and they're all connected they're harmonious they they still have their disagreements N- nothing's perfect but it's a they're one with the planet and they understand and they have their you know all over the planet the god of chaos has been here f- all of all yeah. and um the church that was leading us to the righteous path was if if you're asking me it's pretty evil i mean the, just the things that they have done uh graham hancock wrote a book um it's a fiction book but it's a great book and uh it's called war god and um what he did it's a historical fiction so what he did was he he recreated like the um the mayan or the Az, the aztec i think the aztec um mm-hmm. conquest by um by cortez and them but he he I've read it. You you read it. I've read two I'm on the my second Graham, Graham Hancock book. His the, most recent one. Um uh, America? Yeah. Yeah. Um it's pretty good. I love Graham. Um a better a better book know. a better book for me was um a book by Barry Fell called America B C. So Graham Hancock's got one called America Before. Mm-hmm. Um it's pretty cool, I guess, but the America BC book that Barry Fell wrote, fucking mind blowing. Let's read that. Mind I, I love Graham Hancock. I've, I've listened to him many times. And He's a great dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fuck. Where was I going with that? Oh yeah. So he he made this book called War God. You read it. A lot of the audience hasn't. But the point is, is that in this book, what he he gets into is that you have Moctezuma of the Aztecs, the leader of the Aztecs, mm-hmm. who is taking big doses of mushrooms. And this is key to understand because we're talking about Akhenaten getting possessed, right? Um, Moctezuma of the Aztecs was was taking big doses of mushrooms, you know, at these pyramid ceremonies and all this other shit, and drinking the blood of of, of these sacrificial victims and all this stuff, and then he would tap into this war god consciousness, and he was getting messages from the war god on how to be the the the, the war, to be the embodiment of the war god here, and that's what he was doing. Meanwhile, you got Fernando Cortez or Hernan Cortez or whatever his name was, who is also connecting through some metaphysical means to, uh, do you remember, was it St. Peter or St. It was one of the so-called saints, but he was basically telling him to go kill everything and how to kill everything and telling him that he would be the greatest conqueror and killer of all time. And so it's like, when you understand how archetypes work, he's con- they're connecting to the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. In question, they're always, uh, when they're doing these trips, they're, um, are they in like a granite or like, or some type of sarcophagus, some type of little, like they did in the pyramid? Not always, but I, I know Moctezuma did a lot of the stuff in the pyramids. Started making a c- vampire connection there. So. Ooh, well, just that's just interesting. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, I mean, a lot of, yeah, and another thing about the, uh, the pyramids and stuff, like the Mayan pyramids, a lot of these things have these fucking crazy chambers down inside of them where there's entire pools of mercury like a mercury pond which is a lot of mercury mm-hmm. um and we don't protects, even so that that was uh, from what i understand the mercury it um it protect it keeps out it's a, like a barrier for evil spirits like is that the is that the story there 
that's what just a very small understanding of what I what, where was I to, was that did I see that in a movie I may have saw it in a movie so don't <laughs> <laughs> was that Fifth Element no no it was the uh, it was it was a movie forgive me guys it was the new Tom Cruise mummy movie guys uh, make, make sure that you quote they, Caleb that's um, how they kept se- <laughs> that's how they kept those set. guys on Wayfinder got their shit together they put a that's how, <laughs> but it's about set that whole that whole um, I need mo- to go back and watch that one so it's about set the uh, the so the princess that um, she wanted to take everything back because she was trained to be the leader of Egypt. Um, her brother was born. So she asked the god of Set to help. She became possessed. He gave her the power and she was going to go and just lay waste to the world and set it up for him coming in. So it is, uh, but they kept her in That's a lead sarcophagus uh, and in a um, literally a pond of mercury and they said it would it's the only thing that would weaken her and keep her out. so that's really interesting because i mean i do sorry think i thought i read that <laughs> <laughs> it's all right well no it's kind of truth and everything it, you know, there's truth i mean there's truth in the weirdest places because like a lot of the times the guys that are making these movies and writing these things are getting downloads or they know shit we don't they have symbolism. access to shit we don't mm-hmm. right and it's symbolism there's a lot of stuff in like we did with wonder woman um there's a lot of truth told in that you just have to know the history and then read between the lines a little yeah bit. that's it mm-hmm. you know so i don't know what the point of the mercury is i mean to me it's always been a mysterious thing that under the mayan pyramids i think it's mysterious to a lot of people because there's also a lot of scientific properties that mercury has Mercury can do a lot of neat things. It's it's interestingly magnetic. It's got weird shit and weird properties. So I don't know what they did with it, but yeah, they definitely did mushroom ceremonies, drinking blood um, in the pyramids over there. And Moctezuma was tapping into this war god consciousness, right? And then he was coming back from his trips and sacrificing 70,000 people a year, just marching. Imagine imagine a line, anyone listening to this, just to, just, to, just to lay this landscape out for you. You've got a this big, beautiful, amazing, impressive, imposing pyramid in the middle of the fucking rainforest. This thing's huge. It's like a giant mountain of stone that's perfectly astronomically aligned. And it's got giant kundalini dragons that are slithering down the, down the steps of this thing. And right as the sun comes up on the equinox, and you're able to finally see the line of people, 20 people wide five miles long as far as the eye can see being marched up to the top of the pyramid to have the priests split their head open and blood just flows down the pyramid like a river right all day long all weekend long whatever and then the leader goes up there at the midst of all of this fucking death and blood takes a bunch of mushrooms and then just starts drinking blood on top of this big energetic pyramid that's filled with mercury and the blood of a bunch of innocent people I can't begin to imagine what the fuck it's like boy what i just can't i can't imagine being in the places i've been (laughs) you know like on mushrooms in the best in the best places and the worst places i've ever been on my trips i mean i've been like you know in the woods been at a nice cabin by the pond i've been in a teepee you know been in my house i can't imagine being in that setting what kind of energy you would pull in what kind of entities you would pull in but I know that I've had access to entities where, when I was in places, you know, and I've, I've navigated those places very, very carefully as soon as I realized that that was a thing. But to go out in that place seeking to embody one of these super duper entities, particularly the most, you know, evil and bloodthirsty of those entities that you can, to make yourself a conduit for that, is something I can't even imagine. 
But the, the point of all this is that we know it happened. We know that Moctezuma was doing this. We know whether you believe in entities or spirits or not. Of course, if you don't, I don't know why you're listening to this show. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that one of the greatest conquerors and leaders and bloodthirsty fucking crazy people of all time believed that he was doing this. And he was certainly coming back from these mushroom trips, walking that walk. And then so you start to study the life of Akhenaten and all the shit that went down there, and you start to realize that's the same thing that happened there. It's the same thing that happened there. Yeah, it's why the uh, there's a lot of people that hated him. Yeah. Dude, he fucked a lot of shit up. He did. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a tribe. Easy there. Easy there. He's got the, he's got the COVID. Or was that a COVID cough, a weed cough, or a, a California fire cough? Well, I haven't been to California. <laughs> you guys and I'm not say. running a fever. <laughs> I got uh, a fever, and it's definitely not cowbell. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the, so like, there's a tribe in in um, in I think I think they're in Northwest Africa uh, called the Dogon tribe, and uh, the Dogon tribe they they have stories about leaving Egypt again around you know the time of Akhenaten or whatever they left over religious stuff and it was like the priesthood of of the, some sector of the priesthood fucking bounced and went and went west they were like this is we're not down with this but these guys have to this day and I've got a book called um, the star magic of the Dogon tribe and uh, written by a guy who went and lived with them for many many years and uh, these guys to this day they preserve knowledge of the stars and like of the galaxy and star systems and stuff that there's just no way that they could have. They, 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 they know about stars you can't see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we've used like fucking whatever kind of super duper, you know, Hubble telescopes or whatever to like see different star systems and stuff. And these guys have had this shit mapped out in their dancing ceremonies and stuff and tell stories about it. They've been doing it for thousands of years. But this is, this is a sector of the ancient Egyptian priesthood that was not down with, with Akhenaten uh, and all of that. And they, they left. Um, you know, we were tracing the ancestry of my ex-girlfriend and uh, there was uh, she came from like the Bantu tribe in, in like Central Africa and so we started looking at that tribe again same story bunch of priests and priestesses that fucking left Egypt during the time of Akhenaten because they didn't like the way things were going down and they have all these stories about all the evil and the, the bad things that were going on it's those kinds of stories that once you find two, three, four, five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty tribes of people then you hear like the story of like Maritatan uh, and her husband, Mary, Queen of Scots, when they left and went to Ireland and to escape Akhenaten and his, and his rule, and there was definitely something fucking horrible <laughs> that, that Akhenaten was up to that people largely were not down with. But anytime you have a dictatorship and someone starts doing shit, you know, no matter how bad it is, you're going to get some section of the people that are like, "All right, we just kind of got to deal with it. What the fuck am I going to do about it?" You're going to get. Uh, usually, it's the larger section of people that just kind of go with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it, that usually the the larger group of people, the majority of people don't have um, the resources to do otherwise, right? To pack up and leave, to mm-hmm. leave their businesses, leave their family, do whatever, make the long trip, whether they have young young kids or old people or whatever. So yeah, you see like the priesthood, there was a schism, and like a lot of the priests left and went here, and a lot of the priests left and went there. But the point is, a lot of the priests left. And ancient Egypt was a place where you know more or less for about three and a half thousand years they were like the happiest people in the world <laughs> you know and all of a sudden they're like this guy fucks everything up so uh i think i can wrap it on on, on akhenaten on that note is that like there's and we'll pick this up and go and move branch out into other areas um you know in the next few episodes or whatever because that's what this whole alexandria project is about but uh 
the key to understanding atonism is a go look into it which by the way i thought was really interesting i googled or i went onto youtube and typed in atonism not one not one suggested like i typed in the whole word and it was like do you mean atomism like a nuclear really you can't I, I use DuckDuckGo from now on on everything because there's things that I will look up on Google and won't show up, and then I go to DuckDuckGo, and it's exactly what I'm looking for. So you're like the second or third person in a week that's mentioned that to me. And when I when I uh, get on there, it actually it pops up. It's like uh, these three websites were tracking you. I, like it happens often when I'm on DuckDuckGo. That's interesting. Like, apps that my phone is connected to, it shut it shuts down those searches on when you hook up to the internet. DuckDuckGo immediately makes your uh your search is private well that's interesting that's cool. oh, okay I'll, I'll look i'll look it up as soon as we hang up you can help me navigate that space so atonism is a thing um we are the the world is currently under the rule of an atonistic um group of, of crazy people their rule is coming to an end the their lineage of their craziness can be traced back through history through symbolism uh and that kind of crazy story uh is um is something that we can find around the world in different situations whether it's the mayans tapping into this war god this bloodbath type thing uh or it was fernando cortez tapping into the same thing and slaughtering you know an entire continent full of people we can see that there's a battle for good and evil that's taking place in 5d right you may call it saint peter if you're praying to saint peter but at the end of the day if that thing is telling you to go kill as many human beings man woman child innocent soldier alike doesn't matter what you call him it doesn't matter what color his skin is when you're praying to him at the end of the day if you're praying to something that's making you do horrible shit in this world we're calling that satan or the devil or atten or whatever the fuck you want to call it it's a bad thing war god mm -hmm. you know aries um i think we're we are at a time when the other side of things is starting to take the upper hand and i think that that's evidenced by the fact that the bad guys are so desperate right now that they're pulling every trick out that they possibly can. All at one time. All at once. All at once. And it's, it's like a Hail Mary me, and a fucking double reverse and a quarterback sneak all at once. But the funny thing is to me is that um, the who most people would call conspiracy theorists are like, it's so blatantly obvious. And the people who are just, for lack of a better term, sheeple, who, are yeah. not, who haven't woke up, woke up yet, who are still plugged in, they don't see it and like me amanda my myself you guys and we just kind of joke about it it's like it's so obvious like what is in front of us and uh people are just still in so much denial that they call us crazy you know i think a big part of it is like uh you know we've talked about this before on the show is if you don't think that you have the ability to contend you know to to to, to handle yourself on a certain battlefield you're going to do all you can to even keep from stepping onto that battlefield. And I think a lot of That's people lack the spiritual framework, the spiritual wherewithal, the spiritual strength, the spiritual understanding to want to enter into this, um, this conversation about the fact that there might be some, some 5d shit going on that there might be, uh, you know, again, what got me into this was I was an atheist and I started asking myself like, how come, when I dig deep enough, I start running into child sacrifice. Yes. When I start running into these horrible, ceremonial, ritualistic, sacrificial groups of people that are the elite people of this planet, right? It's like 15 years ago. 
And I was like, well, I can't make sense of Bohemian Grove. Like there's a can't. bunch of rich elite people that are going out and they're, they're sacrificing people in the woods and they're chanting with red robes around a fire and a giant 40 foot statue of the, the Babylonian God Moloch. What? What? Why? And then I, I said, you know, well, maybe, maybe they believe in things I don't believe in. Cause I don't believe that, you know, there's a God or there's a devil or any of that at this point in my life. And then I went, you know what? These are the guys I was enough of a history nerd my whole life to know that like these are the guys that have answers. <laughs> these are the guys that know shit. These are the guys that have information that, that they've kept from us. And I went, if they believe it, and they've got all the answers, they've got all mm -hmm. the knowledge, they've got they've been compiling all this shit for thousands or hundreds of years at least. And that was when I realized like you can choose to turn a blind eye to the 5D reality that we are involved in a battle for good and evil, for the souls and for the spirits and for the livelihoods and the joy and the happiness and the pain and the suffering of every human being on this planet. Like you can, you can, you can turn a blind eye to that reality or you can face up to it. It doesn't change the fact that that's what's happening. Uh, you can either take an active role in your own destiny and in the fate of the world. And, and that doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to lay down your life for anything, but like, every single day doing your little your, your your own best to be a good person doing your own best to be a mindful happy person to be grateful for what you have i think those are the battles that we can win every day yeah and i don't think we need to win we're doing a podcast talking about this shit you ain't got to do that to, to be a, a contender in this battlefield mm. all you have to do is beat the devil every day in your own life that's all you got to do mm -hmm. and the, and the way that you're going to lose that battle every fucking time is by thinking that it ain't happening right you don't even have to think about the Illuminati. And if you're, you know, if you're listening to this, obviously you're hearing this, but like there will be people in your life. And I'm speaking to you guys now, like everyone on this, uh, listening to this has got friends and family and stuff who don't get it. Yeah. Right. We all do. They don't necessarily need to get this to this extent. This is not information that pe everyone needs. Okay. It's not information everyone's going to accept. And again, particularly if those people don't have the wherewithal to contend on this battlefield, I have literally, I, I don't think you should, I don't think you should just, I don't think you should feed this to everyone. And I've seen people, not often, but I've seen people legitimately lose their minds because they can't handle this. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, you, you can, you can get paranoid Right. I've literally I don't personally know, but like through social media, like I've seen big pages that I followed who I then kind of became relational with people, you know, kind of buddies with people. Um, I knew them on a first name basis. They got 100, 200,000 followers. They're well known. They're well respected. We're in private DM groups together. We're FaceTiming together. And then you start to see things in their life. You start to see their posts get dark. You start to see this and that. Next thing you know, they're wearing a tinfoil hat. They're sitting in their room naked and they're FaceTiming. They're saying they're out to get me. The 5G towers are talking into my brain. I've seen this happen. I'm literally describing a guy who I've seen this happen to. Um, a very well-liked guy. Sold his account for the last bit of money he has. I think he's homeless now. Lost everything. And it literally came down to he stared too close to the flame for too long, you know, and didn't out him, outfit himself. In, in, in the ways of the spirit that he needed to to, to contend with that. Because guys, make no mistake, the demons are inside of us, right? You let those shits take control, and they can. Mm -hmm. What I want to do here is give everybody the, the spiritual equipment to navigate these spaces at whatever level you're comfortable, right? 
if you don't want to look at if you don't want to look at the deep crazy mysteries if you're not a nerd like it like us right like we just like talking about the shit because we're nerds yeah um <laughs> you know but you know if you don't want to do that that's cool but just have the spiritual wherewithal to, to at least understand that every day you make choices between being grateful for what you got or being afraid of what you're afraid you're not going to get right be grateful don't be afraid you know treat people with love not fear and suspicion right if you just use those principles alone then you're winning the battle in 5d <laughs> you, you don't have to think anything beyond that but it's helpful to know that everything you do counts i guess at the end yeah. of the day that's really what it all mm -hmm. comes down to for me and yeah. it does you got to take breaks from it too man like yeah for sure you got to give yourself mental breaks emotional breaks like yeah you can just well it's like me dude like i when well, you and i have had this conversation like and i don't, I don't even want to get off into it but oh yeah like you do. all <laughs> All of the the <laughs> stuff that you know you hear coming out about like you know like I don't I don't like talking about the the the, the bad things that happen to kids the ritualistic things and all that and it has nothing to do with me turning a blind eye it's that I spent more time there before any of this stuff came out before any of these ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people you see on talking on social media had no idea about this stuff yeah, six yeah. months ago or a six, year ago six months a year ago nobody you know uh, most people did not know. i stopped writing about this stuff 12 years ago because yeah. it, it was burned out then yeah you know what i mean and that podcast and blog is still up to this day and it's like i go back and read it and you can see the decline of my mental health yeah through that through yeah. the course of that website over the you know year or two whatever i was doing it i'm not turning a blind eye to anything i've already been down the fucking dark roads mm -hmm. and and swam my way back to, to brighter shores the reality is what I can change every day is what I can change every day. Yeah. Right. I, I can't go climb into a deep underground military base and go dig out a bunch of kids. And I don't know where these things are. I don't, you can, I've been down those roads. You will run yourself in circles doing it. Fill yourself full of hope, fill other people full of hope. Try to be a guiding light to yourself and a guiding light to others. And beyond that, man, that's, that's the only advice I got. My big thing That's is good I, advice. I I talk about it to people and sometimes I get passionate and then um you know and there is that question why do you consistently bother yourself if you can't do anything I'm like well here's the thing is if I if I ignore it it's still happening to these kids like that's what that's my big point is sure. yeah I'm not in the bunkers I'm out of the military um I was a saver and I want I would I want to go save people um I've got my obligations here and stuff like that. Yeah, you were a rescue diver. Just make that clear to everybody. Yes, I was a rescue swimmer. A rescue with swimmer. The, uh, Coast Guard. I was in the Coast Guard for ten years, and so it's hard for me not to sit there and say these things because I what these kids are going through is is unimaginable. And when you realize that it's actually a worldwide organization, yeah. um, it's scary. And people. <laughs> that there's no way I go. Yeah, there is a way because there's a price tag on it, and our government is. It's already been proven. Um, they started and they still do the, the drug war was started to rise to give rise to a price of a commodity so that they could profit off it. And we know this. We know it's fact. We, we know we, we've seen the documents. We've seen the pictures and multiple uh, agencies and former agents have come out and said, yeah, yeah, we know. We know. It. So. Yeah. So if you think that that doesn't exist, um, you're obviously none of you that listen yeah. to this podcast do. Sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. all this and I, I think yeah i think it's important to know this stuff happens know it happens know it happens be aware you, you don't have to that's dwell my on message. it yeah no but that's totally and i totally agree with that like to me again if i hadn't realized all that stuff i wouldn't have probably I, I, I wouldn't have known where to go from there like 
Yeah. My, my, I just remember like when it when it when it first when it first hit me, I was watching Jimmy Carter. I don't even know if he's still alive, but uh, I was watching. Gee, he's just gonna live forever. I was watching Jimmy Carter and David Rockefeller, and someone else, like Zbigniew Brzezinski or somebody like that. And it was like all three of these old haggard fucking men. <laughs> And they were just standing there in these expensive suits getting out of a black Lincoln town car at a Bilderberg meeting or something. And I was like, what the fuck would possess like three rich, powerful old men who were like 180 years old to get up at six in the morning or five or whatever, throw on this hot ass black suit in the middle of the summer and go travel around the world to go meet with a bunch of old haggard fuckers. Like they have all the money they need. They have all the mansions they need. They have all the whores they need. They have all the houses and they have all the power, right? They're rubbing elbows with the powerful and the most rich. And and I, and I and that was when I first realized there's gotta be something beyond the material that I am not getting. What, what excites What excites you when you have everything? Well, when you have everything material. But, well, yeah. yeah. So you have everything material. Yeah, you, you everything you want. What what is gonna get you excited? Yeah, you you have to you have to seek your well. It's and it's it's not even it's. I mean, to your point, yeah, it's it's even. Well, like, uh, was it Jesus or somebody else in the Bible that was saying like, you know, um, you know, rejoice not in things of the world, but in things of the spirit, and that's something I try to live with, right? You know, is like I try to try to walk that line where I've got the material shit that I need, but like, I really want to like rejoice in things of the spirit you know, which is for me, it's friendship and communion and love and joy and laughter and dancing and music, like the things of the spirit. Like those are the things that have me walking around feeling so grateful that I'm crying myself to sleep from tears of joy, just thanking God or the universe for my friends and my family. I had one of those nights last night, you know, and I woke up that way. Things of the spirit. Well, you know what? If there's someone like me in my head who thinks this way, I feel like there's got to be there's got to be the other side. There's got to be somebody who is my 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 equivalent, but a psychopath. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and 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 what is that person thinking about and contemplating and and um, praying balance. to? And you know, there's got to be balance. If there's if if if, if there's if any think of the godliest person you can think of, the best person. They don't even have to be godly, but like they do things for people. They love people. You you need to understand there are humans that are the opposite of that person on the other end of the good bad spectrum, right? Literally, and it's hard for, I think it's hard for most good people to like walk around thinking that or realizing that. Mm. Like you're a good person, it's hard for you to imagine there's literally people who just sit around and think of evil shit. I know this, dude, I know a lady. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's why, that's why I know about it. You yeah. Know, you've seen, when you see the evil in people and uh, and I'll be, almost be pushed to that evil, uh, I mean, t to the cusp, to, yeah. to um, I don't know, it's hard not to see it anymore. Yeah. So you the the bad part is that, which I mean we've had this conversation, is that you start seeing the evil in everybody. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. You don't want to fixate on it, you know. Yeah. You don't, and it's it's easy to do, and I've been there, you know, and that's, <laughs> it's it's like, we go through phases. Yep. Sometimes you grow out of a phase and you stay grown out of it, and sometimes, like me, if you're a fucking idiot, and you, <laughs> sometimes you you kind of. You kind of got to go like repeat that lesson two or three times before you finally realize like okay this is like um, let me let me stop doing this yeah. for good you know but I would get you know into these negative spirals where I'm just seeing the negative in people I'm seeing the negative in the world I'm seeing the negative in the social media and I'm doing this and that 
I'm thankful that at this point, at least where I'm at, uh, hopefully I stay on this trajectory, but I'm in a place where like, I want to make people aware of the shit. And then like, other than that, I just want to be a guiding light for everybody and lift everybody up, you know, because I really do believe that a good teacher shows you where to look, but not what to see. And I get, I used to catch heat on here for not talking enough about the Jews. You don't talk about the Jews. You are a Jew, man. I'm not going to sit here and say a bunch of shit that's going to try to get my show banned and try to get, you know, a bunch of people getting sound bites that make me sound like Hitler or something because it's fucking not about race. But if you understand atonism, if you understand the religious side of things, if you understand all the symbolism side of things, all I got to do is just teach you that shit, the history, you know, and you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to get there. You're going to figure that shit out. And you know what? Eventually you go far enough down that path and you're going to run into some of the dark shit we've run into. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to, you're going to, it's, this is a path that everybody walks, you yeah. know, then you go as far as you want to go and then you get there and you go, Jesus, they're really doing some fucked up shit. And these are the guys yeah. making our laws. And these are the guys telling me to, to do this and do that with my life. And, and that's and the, right about the time you get that cognitive dissonance <laughs> <laughs> that kicks in and you're like, Nope. Nah. No. And then you go away <laughs> and then you're sitting back and something is something reminds it's you. It's like and you've you're been like, there before. Fuck, and you see, you see a little because you're still seeing everything because you've seen it, but you're you've, you're making yourself not think about it. But then you you always come back to it. Yeah, not always. I'm I'm sure there's people that are like, oh fuck this. That's but why, why I've been quiet for the past 25 minutes is <laughs> I am definitely taking a break from a lot of the subject matter that we're speaking on in my personal life. I'm taking a mental time out from it. You yeah. need to because it will bring you down. I took a mm-hmm. I took a years off. Because I, w- I was majorly depressed, plus everything that I was going through. Now that I'm looking back, I didn't think I was depressed at the sure. time. But uh, I usually don't. You had to. I had to just get that off and not think about it for a while. But it affected me deeply. So mm-hmm. guys, if you're listening to this, we'll sign off on this note. But like, if you're listening to this and you think you might need to take a break, take a break. We are not going to come in here and talk about a bunch of, about a bunch of negative shit and just leave you with that weight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I don't want us to be those guys. I don't want to do that kind of show. Um, this is, we. I, I swear to God, and I say it all the time, and I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I've never been so excited to be alive. I've never been so excited to be a member of the human race. I've never been so excited to to see the opportunity that the world has in front of us. And, you know, the Hindus have this, belief that the world works in cycles i share that belief and that according to the hindu hindu cosmology we actually are in the kali cycle what they call the kali yuga because the yugas are cycles and the kali yuga kali is the hindu god of a goddess of uh destruction and a lot of people see that as a negative thing but if you understand the deeper meaning under kali in the hindu faith is that she destroys what is to make room for what can be right and sometimes in our own personal lives, and then as a society and as a global, now a global society, um, we have to let go of the life we had to create the one that we can have. And that is why I'm excited. And that's why all this negative shit that you're hearing about, whether whether it's lies or it's truthful shit you don't really wanna think about or face, everywhere you look, you're seeing fear, you're seeing division, you're seeing hate, you're seeing darkness, you're seeing lies, you're seeing all this stuff. And guys, the reason why is because the, this is again we are caught in the death throes of a dying dragon and the future is looking bright af i can't wait to see you guys on the other side i love y'all from adam caleb and jc and the wayfinder guys peace out we'll see you soon